interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. Uh, if you want to know where I'm going to be, well, it depends on the weather. If the weather's okay, I'll be down at the Husker baseball game this weekend. But if not, uh, well, you know, uh, every home Husker game, that's, that's my hobby this time of year. And uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, this week on the program, uh, I was just uh, looking through the Journal Star, like I know a lot of you do, and I saw an article come up this last week about uh, some of the great work that's been done down at First Plymouth. And I thought, I got to get somebody down here to talk about this. And I'm tired of talking to Jim Keck. He's, uh, no, I'm just teasing. He's a great guy. But uh, there's another great pastor down there called Juan Carlos Huertas. And uh, Juan Carlos is here today uh, to talk about uh, this article and um, a lot of other stuff. We can talk about anything today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's good to be here with you, Stu. Oh, it's good to have you. Uh, how long have you been down there at First Plymouth now? Now I've been down there about 20 months, give right. or take. It's... We're going to say we're going to round it up to two years. Oh, let's really, do that. Really close to two years. Really close to two years. That yeah. sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What have been some of the biggest uh, surprises of uh, life at, at, in Lincoln and life at First Plymouth? I think Lincoln has been a gift to, to our family. We love how friendly folks are, very hospitable. We love that you can get from one side of town to the other in about 15 to 20 minutes. That's awesome. We love that uh, you have all you might want in terms of kind of arts and culture. Um, and we just love the quality of life. That's mm -hmm. how I would call it uh, mm -hmm. in terms of the city of Lincoln. And we love walking with the folks that are called First Plymouth Church. And, mm -hmm. and the way that church does its ministry and lives its life, its worship life, its service to the community. So it's been a good fit for these folks who who came from Louisiana to settle in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's been a great gift. Uh, we uh, we love our Louisiana connections here. A lot of good football players, and um, yeah, you're uh, right. A lot of lot of history down there. A lot of, of different connections. It's it's really been really neat uh, to to connect with folks here. Yeah, and this week we've had some uh, Louisiana Louisiana like like weather. We've had, we've had some, I some love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's going to last or not, but, uh, you know, it's I'll here take for a while. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's here for a while. Uh, well, the, uh, the, the big thing that the article was about, which I wanted to spend and we'll talk about other things too, but uh, there was a great article in the journal star that, uh, reminded people of this initiative, uh, that you guys have, uh, undertaken in regards to medical debt. And, uh, and I want to, uh, so that's what I want to talk about is some of the stuff that came up in that article. But I also want to dig in a little bit because um, we were talking before going on the air here about how it's um, doing good things isn't always easy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is, uh, so if you want to take me back all the way to the very beginning of this, um, how did you get this idea? And, uh, and, uh, and let's just kind of walk through that from the beginning. So the idea... There was a seed link to this idea from a few years ago uh, when uh, Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III came to visit our congregation from uh, Trinity Church in Chicago. And they had had an initiative of paying people's medical bills there. 
And so he had mentioned it in one of his sermons that he had with us. I think this was in 17, 18, something like that. So there was this kind of memory of something like this that the church had. So when I came to to First Plymouth and we were kind of talking together, my role is being pastor at First Plymouth, but then part of my task is to help the congregation think of new iterations of 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 justice, of of doing good mm-hmm. in the neighborhood and the community that we've been planted in. So when we were thinking about that, this idea like was in the back of their minds, right? Mm-hmm. And we were thinking about it and 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 but all of a sudden with with post COVID and people were receiving bills mm-hmm. from from their medical care, this this seemed to be something that many of our neighbors immediately around the church seemed to be struggling with. So we decided to take a deep dive into mm-hmm. medical debt, healthcare costs. So this required a, a study in some ways of, mm-hmm. of what, what is this about? What does this look like? Um, and so we began to, as you said in the introduction, right, this wasn't just like you write me a check and now I go and pay people's debt off. Mm-hmm. I wish it would have been that simple. Mm-hmm. But it required us to be quite thoughtful about, first of all, what is the problem? What does it look like? What are other agencies doing about this mm-hmm. problem? Mm-hmm. Because we don't want to double up efforts or triple up efforts. Yep. And then uh, how are we being called to um, approach this issue in a way that really does good in the world? Mm-hmm. And that it's a way that is true to who we are as First Plymouth Church. Yeah. When you first uh, started kind of researching this a little bit, again, uh, you know, being in ministry, both of us know that there are always a lot more problems than what people see. But what were what were some of the one or two things that, as you really started digging into uh, the local s- situation, that maybe almost were a little bit shocking or a little bit surprising, or or maybe not? Maybe it's something you had expected to see when you began digging in a little bit deeper. No, I think there were some surprises. I I think, for example, I was surprised that the majority of medical, you know, that out there has been held by folks who 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 are working, <laughs> who um, most of them are insured. Now, those who are insured are mostly underinsured, and that's actually mm. another show altogether, right, mm. uh, mm. around healthcare economics. Um, these were folks who uh, were trying to pay it down in different ways, but you cannot ever kind of get mm. ahead of it. Um, so that was, to me, you know, in my mind, even though I've, I've dealt with folks in these situations, in my mind, I still have some of the myths around. I was thinking kind of the destitute mm-hmm. when I first thought about this. Yeah. I I came to realize that most folks that, that had this debt were, were working class folk who were trying really hard to, to pay it down and just, just couldn't get ahead of it. Um, so that was, that was surprising. I think the other surprising thing uh, for me was that um, there were a significant number of folks, even in our own congregation, f- it, that that we're not aware of how severe this issue really was mm. in our community. Right mm-hmm. here in Lincoln, Nebraska. They might have heard about it in other cities and you know, you might see a story or two. Uh but but to realize, no, no, this is impacting our neighbors mm-hmm. in deep ways. I think that was another point for me of I had an aha moment there. And that's when to me I start feeling like the spirit began to to call us to it. When we saw those two things come together mm-hmm. and we began to ask ourselves, oh, well, maybe we can do something about this. Yeah. Now, like uh, as a, we were talking about, it's easy to say, oh, there's a problem. Let's throw some money at it. But in this case, 
uh, when you're actually, when money is flowing through an entity like a church, and then it's going to be designated for certain things, and that there, I mean, there are tax implications, there are uh, charitable giving, uh, you know, implications. And what were some of the one of the, some of the big hurdles uh, that I mean, if I just woke up one day and said, you know, I'm just going to take gifts from people and redistribute them <laughs> to people to, uh, okay, that wouldn't work uh, with the IRS. And and what were some of those things that even for churches, you can't just do anything you want to with money. Uh, there has to be these processes. How much how much administration? Uh, and kind of building a structure for this was required in order to do what has turned out to be a massive amount of good, but it but it had to be structured. It did, and it does. Um, and I've chatted with many churches since we began, and we've provided some of what we've learned from the experience. So so let's start with with there are ways, Stu, to to do this quickly. For churches, you can collect financial resources, for example, and go through a national uh, nonprofit agency, actually called RIP Medical Debt, which I, I'll give a shout out on the show because they're doing great work, and they are set up to to take your gift, whatever that gift is, and to maximize it. So they are buying kind of bargain basement debt from across the country, especially in in, in some urban centers like you know in Arizona and in Miami, but also in places like Appalachia, for example, and they're buying, you know, bargain basement debt, uh, and, and they're able to give you debt cheaply, right? They're mm-hmm. buying it cheaply. And I would say for most congregations that want to enter into this uh, kind of ministry or outreach, that's probably the best way because they have created the structure already mm-hmm. uh, for you, right? Mm-hmm. Now, for us, when we contacted RIP Medical Debt, we quickly realized that Lancaster County, they didn't have a lot of debt that they were able to find in Nebraska. Not because it's not there. Mm. It is here. But because they haven't gotten into the market and because the price they offer for debt, it's, it's a little less than what our kind of uh, systems uh, are asking for it, right? Mm. So then we had to think about our own structures. And yes, for sure, there are structures that we had to think about around issues like um, what kind of debt do we want to uh, retire? And mm-hmm. that's important that we use words. We don't technically we don't pay it off because we never own the debt. Because mm-hmm. once when you own the debt, there's some fiduciary burdens that you bear when you own the debt. So we had to partner with a debt collection corporation that agreed to work with us, and we retired debt out of their medical debt portfolio mm. that they own themselves, mm. right? Um, we, for example, had to think about um, what that agreement looked like. So we had to run it through attorneys to make sure that, that we were kind of uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's around any kind of legal liabilities that were found there. There were also some HIPAA issues we had to think about. So for example, mm. in retiring this debt in this way, we were able to keep those debt portfolios anonymized. So we were helping folks who we knew were in the central Lincoln, Link, city of Lincoln uh, kind of geographic location, but we didn't know who you were. Mm. We might have helped you, but we didn't know who you were. We didn't know your address. We didn't know your identity. All we knew was that you, you owe this much, you were paying this much a month, and we were given a general kind of biographical sketch. You know, single dad, three kids, paying $20 a month owes $2,000, mm. right? 
because there are HIPAA rules that yeah. we had to think about. Um, and, and then we also had to think about any – we didn't want to burden that person that, was a, that we were helping. So there were some tax – there were some ways in which the taxation piece worked for that person who was mm-hmm. receiving the help. So, again, it was important that we thought about retiring the debt directly from the portfolio that this debt you know, mm-hmm. collection corporation had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had to think about that. How long do you want to do this? Um, where is the money going to come from? So in our case, we decided to to commit, baseline commit, the loose plate offerings for a year mm. uh, that we're coming into First Plymouth Church. We decided not to, for example, give money out of designated funds for this, or mm. or we decided not to do a campaign for mm-hmm. this that was uh, more like a capital campaign. No. Mm-hmm. Loose offerings and then any gifts that will come for that, yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, and then we had to set up the the avenues through which people uh, could engage it. And we really wanted to center around First Plymouth Church. So, for example, we didn't go out looking for sponsorships uh, mm. from from businesses or other nonprofits. Uh, we didn't purposely seek major gifts uh, from mm. anyone. And you know this often in churches. That's how you do major initiatives. You might yeah. seek for major gifts. Uh, so that's, and I'm just like, I could spend the rest of the show telling you the little like tidbits of insider information mm-hmm. about the, the little checklist that we had to go through to make mm-hmm. this yeah. uh, a reality. Yeah, yeah. Let's take our first break. When we come back then, uh, one of the things you mentioned I want to highlight a little bit because, uh, again, the fact that this is anonymous, uh, that's, uh, it's not only, a, a, a dignified way of doing it, but I think it's a biblical way of doing it. Uh, so let's think about that. Uh, going to take our first break, talking to pastor Juan Carlos Huertas here from first Plymouth. Glad to have you along. Freshen up the coffee. We're just getting started on a friendly fire Saturday here on the voice of Lincoln, 1499, KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil. This is friendly fire with Stu Kurtz on the voice of Lincoln. 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Pastor Juan Carlos Huertas. And he's uh, down at First Plymouth there, uh, 20th and D. Is that pretty close? That is. Okay. Close enough. Now, one of the things you mentioned, well, we mentioned before the break, you mentioned that this is, you, you do this anonymously. You don't know the names of, and addresses of people you've, you've we helped. We do not. A brief bio, uh, biographical sketch. That's about it. Um, uh, you know, one of the things about giving in the Bible, Jesus says, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And uh, this is, uh, uh, well, in this case, it, it probably kind of had to be that way. But what's been the benefit of it being kind of a blind gift in that way? One of the things we heard from other places that had done it, some churches did uh, do it through a, a direct application process, right? Mm. So people, they created a form of some type. People applied for it, you know, attached uh, invoices to it. Um, and that's certainly a way to do it. If the person gives you their information, then you have HIPAA issues to think about, mm. for example. Mm-hmm. But we also recognize this. So then, Stu, all of us have our biases. All of us have our blind spots. And so the moment you have that kind of biographical information and, and deep kind of information on someone, all of a sudden there are all sorts of things that can go uh, awry in our in our minds uh, about that. Having these be anonymized was allowed us, it was quite a gift for us mm. <laughs> because it just allowed us to be free 
to give in a way that was the most we felt equitable and just that we could possibly do so. So um, we, we, we could help people in our neighborhood, no matter what their story was. The one caveat was simple. They had to be as close to the corner of 20th and D as we could possibly have them be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond there uh, in, the, in the Lincoln area. So once, you know, there was one, one retirement uh, cycle where we kind of ran out of folks right around us. So we purposely then expanded, right, in, mm-hmm. into the city of Lincoln. Um, and in one, actually, we then went to one of our um, rural communities outside of Lincoln, right, uh, mm-hmm. for one cycle. But so so we had that, and they had to be paying per month. Mm. So that was that was the other um, caveat. So mm-hmm. they were paying per month, and they they were near us. That was their only. Th- so other than that, we helped whoever we helped, right? Yeah. Uh, whoever we had money to help. Yeah. Um, and that that was quite. A, it was very freeing actually mm. for us. Um, and then they received a letter because the debt collection corporation is required to inform them that this debt had been retired, right? Mm-hmm. But then the letter just said, hey, you know, your debt has, of this much by this account has been retired uh, by First Plymouth Church. If you want to contact them, here's an email. Mm-hmm. So we set up an email where people could contact us if they wanted to, mm-hmm. and about 10% of the households mm-hmm. that we um, assisted, uh, we've heard from them, mm-hmm. right? What were the kind of things that they wanted to, I mean, obviously, I would assume they they just want to say thank you. But was yeah. there any themes that kind of came across in those uh, communications? You know, Stu, one of the things that still – I don't know why it surprises me because I – listen, the spirit of the living God is doing amazing things around us so all all the time. Mm. But the one thing, the one theme – I cannot tell you how often I heard the word miracle mm. in their notes. Wow. Answer to prayer. Mm. <laughs> God sent. I mean, these are, these are gospel words. Mm. You know, Jesus said that I've come to bring good news to the poor. Mm. This was good news to the poor. Mm. And that's the words I kept on listening for. Mm. I heard them over and over again. I even heard some from somebody, you know, I'm not very religious, but this was a miracle. Mm. <laughs> I talk about, talk about gospel yeah. being, being seen and experienced. And that just... For someone, uh, for a pastor, um, that just brought me not just joy, but but it really was a witness to the good news yeah. to me yeah. and to the folks around me who were part of the leadership team for this yeah. initiative. When you when you started this and uh, you were thinking about oh, how many people we could help and maybe how much that we could retire and everything, did you did you have any initial goals of what you wanted to do or hoped you could do? Yeah, in my mind, I thought you know we would after a year uh, we would raise. Two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a year, and, and you know, I knew that the average, kind of the, the the most common, the mean in terms of medical debt in the United States, is a thousand bucks. So mm-hmm. okay, two hundred fifty thousand. That's two hundred fifty households, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I thought okay, that'll be amazing. Yeah, that'll be awesome. That was like, I was like thinking, man, if we get there, that'll be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and what happened? We we more than doubled, isn't that something? You know, uh, five hundred and fifty thousand dollars over five hundred households uh, helped. Mm. Uh, mm. I, I, I this has been uh, so so in some real ways. You know that that great story uh, of the loaves and the fishes. Yeah, um, that's what's happened. 
God took our $5 and $10 and $20 we dropped in the offering plate uh, week to week for a year. And, and, and God took it, blessed it, and as we gave it out, God multiplied it. Mm. What a, gosh, what, what, what a year of experiencing uh, the work of, of Jesus Christ in our midst. Yeah. That's, uh, I wanted, what, uh, we'll get started on this, then we'll have to take a little break. But, <laughs> but okay, so you're, you're retiring debt. You're, you know that certain people are responding. You know that they're, again, they're deeply touched by this. What kind of an impact did it have on your congregation as they have experienced the joy of of being able to do something tangible? Because so many times, I know I don't know if you can relate to this, but in ministry, so much of what we do is invisible. You know, you you talk with somebody and you say, well, I don't know, did that make a difference? And you preach a sermon and you say, Well, I don't know, did that touch a heart? I have no clue. I can't see it. You know, and so so much of what we do is invisible, and yet this is something now that. <laughs> you actually can see a result. Uh, what, what were, just get me started, then we'll take a little break and we'll come back and maybe tell a few more stories. But what were some of the things you saw in the congregation uh, as a result of this opportunity to be generous? I think the first thing I'll say, and then, and then we'll take a break and I'll have a few more, but the first thing I noticed within the first four to six weeks of the initiative was that there was all of a sudden this, this energy in generosity. Mm. You know, seeing the folks. So when we started... We, we were still taking the offering in the back as people left mm -hmm. uh, instead of passing the plate. We were still in kind of yep. COVID, COVID yep. mode. Yep. So, so I could see folks coming out and literally, you know, getting in their pockets and putting their $5 and $10. And there was this energy, too, in the mm -hmm. air as mm -hmm. people were sharing their, their gifts. And energy, honestly, that as a pastor, I very seldom see when the plate is passed, mm -hmm. right? But something about it really kind of struck the hearts of folks. Mm. So that's that's the first the first thing I will notice that I want to share with your listeners is there was this energy in the air that I would call the Holy Spirit at working mm. them around that giving, around that generosity, around mm. digging into their pockets and giving of their resources mm. uh, in that way. And that that was that should have said a lot to me early on about what was mm. about to happen. Yeah. I should have known then. <laughs> well we uh, pastors need to have their faith enlarged as well. Don't Amen. We? Yeah. We're uh, going to take another break here. Talking with Pastor Juan Carlos Huertas here from uh, First Plymouth. And uh, glad to have you along. Stay right where you're at. We'll be right back on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with Pastor Juan Carlos Huertas, Huertas from uh, First Plymouth, and uh, uh, we were we were telling stories about yeah. some of the things you saw happen in the life of the uh, of the people there. And the first aspect, just kind of this kind of momentum and energy yeah. of giving, and uh, kind of the joy of giving. Uh, what are some other things you saw? Because it's when we serve other people, uh, it we think it's to help them. But we know as pastors, God uses that to change us. And uh, I just wonder, maybe two or whatever other things that you saw in the life of the congregation that, that, wow, I think if we hadn't done this, I'm not sure I would have seen this. So in, in the Gospels, there's a great story about a man who was blind and would sit at the door of Jericho, Bartimaeus. And in that story, uh, the, when Jesus comes into town, the, the folks kind of shush Bartimaeus, right? And, and, and one, their need met. 
right? Uh, but then Jesus calls on Bartimaeus, and the people then go get him and say, the master wants to see you, right? Mm. So, so we talked about the energy of generosity. So the second thing that I began to see among us was that all of a sudden we began to, to, to be asking more questions about those neighbors that mm. we were trying to help. Mm. Who are those folk? Mm-hmm. What are their lives like? What is happening in their lives? So, so the hearts of the community began to be softened up. It was no longer a, a, a story we read in the newspaper or something we saw on, a, uh, on TV or, or a notification from the latest NPR story. These, these folk that we were kind of connecting with became real humans for our mm-hmm. people, and their hearts began to soften up. So we, like those disciples long ago, were now kind of looking around and going, hey, the master's looking for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and some, some of those, uh, I, I still remember the, the neighbor who, who came with his letter and knocked on our, on our doors. And I came downstairs, it was early one morning, and he came and said, you know, I got this letter from you. Is this for real? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. Scams, yeah, we? it is for real, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and he said, I just want to give you a hug and thank you. Uh, and so we took a picture together, and our folks were so taken by this story. Mm-hmm. So their hearts were deeply softened up uh, by that. And I think the last thing that I'll say about the effects that it's had on us, you know, Stu, you and I both know as pastors that during the pandemic, so many of our churches and pastors began to wonder, what, who are we? Mm-hmm. What are we here for? Yeah. Because we weren't able to live out the way we've always lived our lives out as a congregation. So the last thing that the gift of this initiative, as I see it, and it's just my perspective, um, is that it helped us see that the Holy Spirit still had work for us to do as God's people at the corner of 20th and D. Mm. That it didn't matter what had happened during the pandemic. It didn't matter about the things that we could, were not able to do like we used to do them. It didn't matter that, that things maybe don't even, didn't even feel quite the same, that God was still calling us at the corner of 20th and D to, to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to announce that the time had come when God will save God's people. Mm. And that, my gosh, what a gift that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has been for us. And so that energy of the early, of that early few weeks has can become an energy that that now has inspired us to push forward with hope, uh, in unin- unimaginable ways. Yeah, yeah, well, that's very encouraging. The uh, I'm, everybody who's been on since COVID has happened, I've I've asked some version of, uh, hey, what was you know, what were the hardships or. Uh, what were some of the things that you picked up during COVID that you said, hey, maybe this is actually better? There's something to do. Now, your church has always been very, very active online, social media, video, television, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of that stuff, other churches were catching up uh, to, to at least a, a portion of what you guys have been doing for a really long time. But is there anything else that, that you bumped into? You said, wait a minute, you know, I think this is actually... I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. It might not have happened instead of if COVID hadn't come. But now that it did come, here are a couple of things that we're, we think we might keep. Anything come to mind in that regard? Oh my gosh! I think I think we have been active on social media for a long time and live streaming and things. But but I I actually think that we we didn't realize how impactful that is, especially for the newcomer. Mm. That 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 
Whereas in the old days, it was the, the sign in front of your church or the banner you would put in the corner or the ad in the newspaper that actually our live streaming, our digital offerings actually are the portal mm-hmm. uh, through which folk kind of connect with us and check us out, right? Yep. It allows you a certain way to kind of pre-try uh, the mm-hmm. community before you arrive. So I think that's something that we now take much more seriously and, and are putting a lot of our efforts in it. We still do a digital service. I preach it on most weeks. And so we're like, no, no, this is important. This is a portal. This is this is a way to get folks to know that we're here and what kind of church we are uh, through this medium. Mm-hmm. And I think the second is, which is kind of interesting, is that in some real ways, the congregation during the COVID kind of time, because you, you we couldn't do community in the way that that we were used to, it kind of created in us a fire to restore the connection to that neighborhood mm. that we had back in 1929 when we first mm. began our work at the corner of 20th and D. Mm-hmm. So, so that, again, that sounds simplistic maybe, but, but I, mm. I can see it that in some ways that, that pause from being community, mm-hmm. and you know, Stu, any church can get hyper focused on itself, yes. you know, over time. But 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 that hyper folk that that time that time of break then allowed us the opportunity to um, to kind of still go. Wait a minute, we love this neighborhood. We love these folks mm-hmm. around us. We we want to uh, be back in community with them in in, in deeper ways. Not yeah. that we weren't before. No no no. But but kind of our recommitment to a deeper community with those folks that we were kind of in contact with um, immediately around us and in central Lincoln as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yes. There, uh, isn't it interesting how sometimes we think because of social media and, and, and a presence that goes beyond the four walls that, that we forget about our immediate neighbor, you know, our neighbors. Yeah. Right. And uh, so to, 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 to say, okay, wait a minute, hold on, uh, refocus on that. Uh, how many? I mean, when you think about it, there aren't a ton of churches that are as active as First Plymouth in the in kind of the or near South Corridor, right. whatever you'd want to call that. Yeah, near South. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I know there are other churches, but there but there aren't as many as active and 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 vital uh, in the in the core of the city as there would have been a hundred years ago. Uh, and so it's a it's a pretty big deal when when. Uh, uh, you kind of wake up and say, "Wait a minute! There are all kinds of people all right here around us, and uh, not just the people who are driving in from different places." Yeah, in one of the parts of town that's most—it's the most dense, mm. right? So there are—it's not just—it's uh, yeah. that the density is so high there. So there are a lot of our folks, our people, citizens of the city that live around us. Um, so for sure, to really kind of again, instead of just driving in. And I live a few blocks away from the church, so I'm really deeply rooted in Near South and love the Near South neighborhood. But, you know, for most of our folks who might maybe drive in on Sunday morning, now mm-hmm. they're looking at the neighbor differently. Yeah. They've heard their stories through the Medical Debt Initiative, right? Yeah. But now yeah. they're kind of looking and going, wait a minute, who are yeah. these folks? What else? Yeah. How else? What are their gifts? What are their graces? What are their needs? Uh, yeah. uh, what are they thinking about? Uh, yeah. So I think that creates yeah. an imagination. And by the way, I would say to anyone who's listening – that every one of our churches is situated in a neighborhood too, yes. in some way, mm-hmm. and that that I don't believe is by happenstance that there's a call that each of our churches uniquely has mm-hmm. to their neighbor. Absolutely. And I hope they too develop an imagination for them because yes. God's Spirit is kind of poking you for that 24-7. <laughs>
towards yes, that. Absolutely. I, in, you know, in our neighborhood on South 27th, there are a lot of times people, they associate it maybe with the knolls or the ridge that is further south and the very affluent areas. But, you know, I, I grew up just a mile north of where those churches now, and it, they're two-bedroom ranches. They're, they're, it's a very safe, lovely neighborhood, but, but a wide range of uh, socioeconomic situations uh, within, a, within one mile of the of the church. I, I, my guess is that most churches are that way, right? You've got a wide variety of people. And uh, and it's not a one size fits all. No, and and the call for us then as the church is to be that place of good news for the people around us, whoever those people are. And sometimes we, I think maybe out of our own struggles or whatever, sometimes we think we have to get like uber creative, <laughs> yeah, or, or manufacture who our mission field is. Yes. We just have literally walk out of the doors of your church and walk down yes. the streets. Whatever that is, whatever socioeconomically that is, whatever the yeah. demographics of that are, whatever that is, yeah. that is your primary, that's your hub. And then out of that, then do the ministry that God's called you beyond that. Yeah. But it's got to start somewhere. And yeah. I really believe, and I'm kind of a little bit of a stickler for this, I believe that it really has to be rooted and start in where you are rooted geographically yeah. Yeah. and go from there. Absolutely. We're going to take one last break. When we come back here, we'll do a little shameless plug and then we'll, we'll wrap. There's other stuff going on at First Plymouth too that we won't, uh, uh, we'll touch on some of that as well. Uh, talking with Pastor Juan Carlos Huertas here from uh, First Plymouth. Glad to have you along. We'll be right back here on 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday, uh, talking today with Pastor Juan Carlos Huertas here uh, from uh, First Plymouth. And, uh, uh, Pastor, it is the time of the program. We always do a shameless plug. So you can plug anything you want to plug. I love it. Thank you for shameless plugging. Uh, Well, hey, listen, there is so much that... We're just so thankful in so many ways for all our partners in in this initiative. We wouldn't have been able to make it make it like this if it wasn't for uh, for folks who within our congregation, but others in the community that 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 began to click on that giving you know give button and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And so for me, I, I just invite you to continue to. We're beginning to dream about what the next initiative is. Mm-hmm. We're beginning to think about what are other ways in which we can be a community that increases the hope mm-hmm. of, of, of our neighbors. Yeah. And so I invite you to, to stay tuned to uh, org online or go to our Facebook page and, and keep on kind of watching because in the next, you know, 90 days, mm-hmm. you're going to begin to see kind of what the next initiative is. And here's why I'm excited about it. I'm excited because whereas the Medical Debt Initiative was very much heavily uh, leaning on on raising funds, mm-hmm. this one is heavily gonna lean on on getting coming alongside in kinship with mm-hmm. our neighbors, uh, especially around mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. Uh, we are being called to be a hopeful community, mm-hmm. and I cannot wait to see how the Spirit uses us in the next twenty, you know, twelve to twenty four months. All right, that's called a teaser, by the way, folks. It's it's coming. I would say, hey, come on. Tip your Tell me more. Tell me more. We got to wait, right? Yes, you do. And I would love to come back sometime in the next six months and tell you more about it. (laughs) Well, okay. That sounds great. You know, uh, uh, it's funny. Pastor Tom from the People City Mission uh, would say some version of, you know, if every church in town would adopt one family, 
and just really come alongside, mentor, encourage. And it wouldn't even always involve finances, right? A lot of it's going to be involved time and listening and troubleshooting and those kind of things. And he just said, basically, if, if every church in town would do that, they'd be out of business. Yeah. Uh, they'd, be, they'd be out of business. And yeah. uh, uh, what, what is it that, that keeps that from actually being a reality in your mind? Mm. That's a tough question. I think for me sometimes, so I'm going to go in the most kind of benevolent way to think about I, I think most of us are living our day-to-day lives and are so hyper-focused on that. You know, we're rolling out of bed in the morning, trying to get the kids to school. We're trying to get to work on time. You know, we have the bills we got to pay, and then we have the seasonal things that happen in our lives. That's domestic life. That's everyday life. And and so imagine in our churches, you have these 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 kind of clans of folks who are living that way. I get it. You get it. So that almost almost trains us to say, well, we don't have the capacity. Mm. We don't have the capacity. What what we take for granted is that that you might be right. Like I'm my my group. So I, it's me, my spouse, and my and our three children. Right? They're all teenagers. And and yeah, it's true. Our capacity is not very large to do more but when we put our little capacity with the other you know 4000 folks at First Plymouth Church we actually have more capacity than we might think mm-hmm. and that's why I think the church matters in the world today because mm-hmm. you're right your individual family might not have the capacity yeah. but your church family yeah the the, the ecclesia <laughs> yeah. the community gathered for the purposes of God yeah. does have the capacity yeah. so we have a, a Part of our role, I think, as religious leaders is to help our people both awaken to to the fact that we, too, provide solidarity for one another, mm-hmm. but that then we cannot become navel-gazing, that we then together, as we heal, as salvations practice among us together mm-hmm. by the power of the Spirit, uh, then we together can begin to provide healing for others beyond mm-hmm. ourselves. And you're right. What if we decide—I was at a church a long time ago that— we were kind of wondering, what if we adopted one family who who was on that kind of a poverty end, but but literally came alongside that family in kinship and helped them get out of the cycle? Mm. Just one family, mm-hmm. right? Um, imagine what we could do together. I think there's something like 300 churches in the city of Lincoln, that's, something like that. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So let's say 300 churches. Um, so just imagining our capacity, if we kind of get beyond kind of what our own a sense of self and protectiveness that happens there and kind of a, a tribalism mm-hmm. that happens. I also think, while I'm here with you, that there's work we can do across churches together mm-hmm. that if we would just put our egos, mm-hmm. leave our egos at the door and sometimes our ideological commitments at the door and we came around the table of God together um, that we could actually do some powerful things, even yeah. across theological and ideological difference. There are, uh, I think that's one of my themes is that I'm, I'm constantly looking for uh, kind of cross interests. You know, there, there are things that we may disagree quite a bit theologically. We may even be of different faith backgrounds, but if we're interested in the same issues and and there's a degree of cooperation we can exercise where it's going to be more powerful yeah and so it's it's okay to be up front and say okay no we don't agree on everything correct that's that's fine and that's that's not what this initiative is about correct this initiative is about something that's beyond that and we're going to be upfront about that yeah and uh and and i think there's there could be a lot more power there than what we 
than what we ex- currently experience. Yeah, for sure. And what I witnessed to the good news that uh, of Jesus Christ, that, that then even folks who, who might be, let's say, ideologically in different places, are still coming together on behalf of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to, 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 to help our, our communities flourish, yeah. uh, for abundant life to be experienced, uh, for joy and peace and hope to develop. And that's what a, what a witness to the goodness of Jesus Christ, indifference. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially in these days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there, you mentioned uh, uh, again some some upcoming initiatives. Is there anything else that uh, that isn't on the burner, but something down the line that you think, oh, that would be really cool if we could uh, get involved in something else, uh, or is that still top secret? I think what I'll say about that is that you're going to hear us over the years ahead continue to ask the question. What will help our neighbors flourish? What will help our neighbors experience well-being? Mm-hmm. What will help our neighbors experience joy and hope and peace and reconciliation and forgiveness and, and good news? And we are willing to go wherever the Spirit leads us, uh, and we're willing to do so alongside other partners. Again, in, in the next initiative, you're going to see us kind of flex the muscle of, of partnership. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't want the credit. We don't want what we want is for our neighbor to experience good news, flourishing, goodness, compassion, right? So, so we're going to continue to ask that question, and we're going to continue to ask our neighbors and beyond, and we're going to go at that with joy, and and we're going to try some things that might not even work, Stu. That's the <laughs> other thing. You know, we're just going to try things, and I think a lot of times yeah. churches get a little shy about trying things. You know, I encourage you, church. To try things. The goodness of Jesus is worth taking some risk because our people need good news. And so, um, you know, uh, we're going to try some things. Some things might be like horrible. That's fine. We'll find the other thing. We'll keep on a discerning ear along the way. Yes, that's awesome. Hey, Ben, thank you so much for coming down to talk about this initiative. We, the time goes really fast, doesn't it? It goes like I, I, there's so much I want to say, but I'm, thank you, Stu, for giving us an opportunity to share, especially yeah. a little bit about the insider of how we got here, because yeah, yeah, that yeah. matters. Yes, and uh, and I bet I bet if somebody reached out to you with an email or something and say, hey, I'd like to learn more, I bet you might even respond. They can send an email to justneighbors at firstplymouth.org, and I get that email, and I would love yeah. to answer your question. That's awesome. Uh, again, thanks for taking the time to be here today. I, I, I just... I, and I'm, part of what I wanted to do today is just stir up our imagination. There are all kinds of things that we could be doing uh, uh, out of love of Christ uh, that would make a real difference in this in this community. And uh, it's worth highlighting. Yep. Go dream, church. Go yeah. dream. All right. That's the voice of Juan Carlos Suertos. He's the uh, one of the pastors at First Plymouth. Glad to have him here today. Glad to have you along. Uh, I leave you saying, as I always do, to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week. Huh?